Section two of the Shuans by Honore de Balzac, translated by Alan Marriage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. Chapter one B. Here we must digress a little, so that those stay-at-home people who are accustomed to believe nothing because they never see anything for themselves may be induced to sympathize with the fears of the commandant below for these people would be capable of denying the existence of a marche -à -terre and of the western peasants who behaved with such heroism in those times the word ga g a r s pronounced ga is a relic of the celtic tongue it passed into french from the bas breton and of all words in the language that we speak to-day in france this one preserves the oldest traditions the guerre was the principal weapon of the gales or gauls guerre meant armed guerre meant valor and ga force the close similarity proves that the word ga is connected with these expressions in the language of our ancestors the word corresponds to the latin word weir a man the significance at the root of virtus strength or courage the apology for this dissertation lies in the fact that the word is a part of our national history and this possibly may reinstate such words as ga garçon garçonnette garce garcette in the good graces of some persons who banish them from all conversation as uncouth expressions they come of a warlike origin for all that and will turn up now and again in the course of this narrative c'est une fameuse garce was the little appreciated eulogium which madame de stal received in a little canton of the vendomois where she spent some of her days in exile the gaul has left deeper traces of his character in brittany than in all the rest of france those parts of the province where the wild life and superstitious spirit of our rough ancestors are glaringly evident so to speak even in our day were called the pays des gars when the population of a district consists of a number of uncivilized people like those who have just been collected together in the opening scene the folk round about in the countryside call them the ga of such and such a parish which classical epithet is a sort of reward for the loyalty of their efforts to preserve the traditions of their celtic language and customs in their daily lives moreover there are deep traces of the superstitious beliefs and practices of ancient times feudal customs are even yet respected antiquaries find druidical monuments there and the spirit of modern civilization hesitates to traverse those vast tracts of primeval forest there is an incredible ferocity and a dogged obstinacy about the national character but an oath is religiously kept our laws customs and dress our modern coinage and our language are utterly unknown among them 
and if on the one hand their combination of patriarchal simplicity and heroic virtues makes them less apt at projecting complicated schemes than mohicans or north american redskins on the other hand they are as magnanimous as hardy and as shrewd the fact that brittany is situated in europe makes it very much more interesting than canada it is surrounded by enlightenment but the beneficent warmth never penetrates it the country is like some frozen piece of coal that lies a dim black mass in the heart of a blazing fire the attempts made by some shrewd heads to make this large portion of france with its undeveloped resources amenable to give it social life and prosperity had failed even the efforts of the government had come to nothing among a stationary people wedded to the usages prescribed by immemorial tradition the natural features of the country offer a sufficient explanation of this misfortune the land is furrowed with ravines and torrents with lakes and marshes it bristles with hedges as they call a sort of earthwork or fortification that makes a citadel of every field there are neither roads nor canals and the temper of an ignorant population must be taken into account a population given over to prejudices that cause dangers to which this story will bear witness a population that will use none of our modern methods of agriculture the picturesque nature of the country and the superstitions of its inhabitants both preclude the aggregation of individuals and the consequent benefits that might be gained from a comparison and exchange of ideas there are no villages frail structures cabins as they call them are scattered abroad over the countryside and every family there lives as if in a desert at the only times when the people are brought together the meeting is a brief one and takes place on sundays or on one of the religious festivals observed by the parish these unsociable gatherings only last for a few hours and are always presided over by the rector the only master that their dull minds recognize the peasant hears the awe-inspiring voice of the priest and returns to his unwholesome dwelling for the week he goes out to work and goes home again to sleep if any one goes near him it is that same rector who is the soul of the countryside it was at the bidding of the priest too that so many thousands of men flung themselves upon the republic when these very breton districts furnished large bodies of men for the first shuan organization five years before this story begins in those days several brothers daring smugglers named cottero who gave their name to the war had plied their dangerous trade between laval and fougere but there was nothing noble about these rural outbreaks for if la vendee had elevated brigandage into warfare brittany had degraded war into brigandage 
the proscription of the princes and the overthrow of religion were to the shuans simply pretexts for plundering excursions and all the events of that internecine warfare were colored by something of the savage ferocity peculiar to the disposition of the race when the real supporters of the monarchy came in search of recruits among this ignorant and combative population they tried and tried in vain when they ranged the shuans under the white flag to infuse some larger ideas into the enterprises which had made shuanery detested the shuans remained a memorable instance of the dangers incurred by stirring up the masses of a half-civilized country the scene that the first breton valley offers to the traveller's eyes the picture that has been given of the men who composed the detachment of requisitionaries the description of the ga who appeared on the summit of the pelerine would give altogether an accurate idea of the province and of those who dwelt in it from those details an expert imagination could construct the theatre and the machinery of war therein lay all the elements concealed enemies were lurking behind those hedges with the autumn flowers in them in every lovely valley every field was a fortress every tree was a snare in disguise not an old hollow willow trunk but concealed a stratagem the field of battle lay in all directions at every corner of the road muskets were lying in wait for the blues young girls smiling as they went would think it no treachery to lure them under the fire of cannon and go afterwards with their fathers and brothers on pilgrimage to ask for absolution and to pray to be inspired with fresh deceits at the shrine of some carved and gilded virgin the religion or rather the fetishism of these ignorant folk had deprived merger of all sense of remorse so it befell that when the struggle had once begun there was danger everywhere throughout the length and breadth of the country in sound as in silence in pardon or in terror and by the fireside just as much as on the high road they were conscientiously treacherous these savages who were serving god and the king by making war like mohicans yet if the historian is to give a true and faithful picture of the struggle in every particular he ought to add that as soon as osha's treaty was signed the whole country became blithe and friendly at once families who had been ready to fly at each other's throats the day before supped without danger under the same roof the moment that hulot became aware of the treacherous secrets revealed by machater's goatskin apparel his conviction was confirmed the auspicious peace inaugurated through osh's ability was now at an end its longer duration indeed seemed to him impossible it was in this manner that war broke out again after three years of inaction and in a more formidable guise than hitherto 
perhaps the temper of the revolution which had grown milder since the ninth of thermidor was about to revert to the ferocity which had made it hateful to every rightly constituted mind english gold as usual contributed to bring about discord in france if the republic were abandoned by the young bonaparte who seemed to be its tutelary genius it seemed as if it would be utterly unable to make a stand against so many foes and the last to appear were the bitterest among them civil war heralded by numberless risings of little importance assumed a gravity before unknown from the moment that shuans conceived the idea of attacking so strong an escort this in a concise form was the substance of hulot's reflections when he believed that in marcheterre's sudden appearance he saw the signs of a skilfully prepared trap and he alone for no one else was in the secret of the danger the pause which ensued after the commandant's prophetic remark to gerard and which put an end to the previous scene sufficed for hulot to regain his composure the veteran's brain had almost reeled he could not shake off the gloom which covered his brow as he thought that he was even then surrounded by the horrors of a warfare marked by atrocities from which perhaps even cannibals would shrink his captain merle and the adjutant gerard both of them friends of his tried to understand the terror quite new in their experience of which their leader's face gave evidence then they looked at marcheterre who was eating his bannock and could not discern the remotest connection between the brave commandant's uneasiness and this sort of animal at the roadside hulot's face soon cleared however while he deplored the calamities that had befallen the republic he was glad at heart that he was to fight for her he vowed gaily to himself that he would not be gulled by the shuans and that he would read this dark intriguing nature that they had done him the honor to send against him before making any decision he began to study the place in which his enemies wished to take him at a disadvantage his thick black eyebrows contracted in a heavy frown as he saw from the middle of the road where he stood that their way lay through a sort of ravine of no great depth it is true but with woods on either side and many footpaths through them he spoke to his two comrades in a low and very uncertain voice we are in a nice hornet's nest what is it that you are afraid of afraid answered the commandant yes afraid i have always been afraid of being shot like a dog at some bend in a wood without so much as a who goes there bah chuckled merle even a who goes there is also a deception we really are in danger then 
asked Cherard, as much amazed now at Hulot's coolness as he had been before at his brief spasm of fear. Hush, said the commandant, we are in the wolf's den. It is as dark as in an oven in there, and we must strike a light. It is lucky, he went on, that we occupy the highest ground on this side. He added a vigorous epithet by way of ornament, and went on. Perhaps I shall end by understanding it clearly enough down there. The commandant beckoned the two officers, and they made a ring round Marcheterre. The gars pretended to think that he was in the way, and got up promptly. Stop where you are, vagabond cried hulot giving him a push so that he went down again on to the slope where he had been sitting from that moment the chief of demi brigade never took his eyes off the impassive breton it is time to let you know my friends said hulot addressing the two officers in low tones that they have shut up shop down there a mighty rummaging has been set up in the assemblies and the directory in consequence has sent a few strokes of the broom our way those pentarchs of directors call them pantaloons it is better french have just lost a good sword bernadotte has had enough of it who succeeds him asked gerard eagerly Millet Moreau, an old pedant. They have pitched on an awkward time for setting numbskulls to pilot us. There are English rockets going up on the coasts, these cockchafers of Vondians and Chouans about, and the fellows at the back of those marionettes yonder have cleverly selected the moment when we are about to succumb. What? asked Merle our armies are beaten back at every point said hulot lowering his voice more and more the chouans have intercepted our couriers twice already my own dispatches and the last decrees issued only reached me by a special express that bernadotte sent just as he resigned his place in the ministry personal friends fortunately have written to me about this crisis fouche has found out that traitors in paris have advised the tyrant louis the eighteenth to send a leader to his dupes in the interior some think that barras is a traitor to the republic in short pitt and the princes have sent a ci-devant over here a strong man and a capable leader he intends by combining the efforts of vandians and chouans to teach the republic to respect them the fellow has landed in morbihan i knew it before anyone else and i advised those rascals in paris of his arrival the gars he has chosen to call himself all those animals and he pointed to marcheterre fit themselves up with names that would give any honest patriot the colic if you called him by them but our man is here in this country and the appearance of that chouan yonder again he pointed to marcheterre 
tells me that he is close upon us but there is no need to teach grimaces to an old monkey and you will help me now to cage my linnets and in less than no time a pretty idiot i should be to let myself be snared like a bird and that by a ci-devant from london come over here pretending that he wants to dust our jackets thus informed in confidence of the critical state of affairs the two officers who knew that their commandant never alarmed himself without good reason assumed that gravity of expression common to soldiers in pressing danger who have been thoroughly tempered and have some insight into the ways of mankind gerard whose rank since suppressed brought him into close contact with his commandant made up his mind to reply and to ask for the rest of the political news which had evidently been passed over but a sign from hulot kept him silent and all three of them fell to scrutinizing marcheterre the chouan showed not the least sign of agitation at finding himself watched in this way by men as formidable intellectually as they were physically this sort of warfare was a novelty to the two officers their curiosity was keenly excited by the opening event and the whole matter seemed to be invested with an almost romantic interest they were inclined to joke about it but at the first word which they let fall hulot looked at them sternly and said tonnerre de dieu citizens don't smoke your pipes over a barrel of powder you might as well amuse yourselves with carrying water in a basket as by showing courage where it isn't wanted Girard, he continued leaning over and whispering in the adjutant's ear get nearer to the brigand bit by bit and if he makes the least suspicious movement run him through the body at once and i myself will take measures for keeping up the conversation if our unknown friends really have a mind to begin it gerard bent his head slightly in obedience then he began to look round at different points in the landscape of the valley with which the reader has had an opportunity of making himself familiar he appeared to wish to study them more closely stepping back upon himself so to speak quite naturally but the landscape it will well be believed was the last thing he had in view marcheterre on the other hand took no heed whatever of the officer's manoeuvres one might have supposed that he was fishing in the ditch with a rod and line from the way he played with his whip-handle. While Gerard was trying in this way to take up his position by the Chouan, the commandant spoke in a low voice to Merle. Take ten picked men and a sergeant, and post yourself up above us, just on that part of the summit on this side where the road widens and makes a kind of plateau. You could see a good long stretch of the road to Ernay from the place. Pick out a spot where there are no woods on either side of the road, so that the sergeant can keep a lookout over the country round. Take Clay de Care. He has his wits about him. This is no laughing matter at all. I would not give a penny for our skins if we don't take every advantage we can get. 
Captain Merla understood the importance of prompt action, and the manoeuvre was executed at once. Then the commandant waved his right hand, demanding absolute silence from his men, who stood round about amusing themselves with chat. He signed to them afresh to shoulder arms, and as soon as everything was quiet again, his eyes travelled from one side of the road to the other. He seemed in hope to detect muffled sounds of weapons or of footsteps, preliminaries to the looked-for struggle, and to be listening anxiously for them. His keen black eyes appeared to penetrate the very depths of the woods in a marvellous way. No sign was forthcoming. He consulted the sand on the road, as savages do, trying every means by which he could discover the invisible foes whose audacity was known to him. In despair at finding nothing which justified his fears, he went towards the side of the road, climbed with some difficulty up the bank, and went deliberately along the top of it. Suddenly he felt how largely his own experience conduced to the safety of his detachment, and he came down again. His face grew darker, for leaders in those days were wont to regret that they could not reserve the most dangerous missions for themselves alone. The other officers and the men noticed their leader's preoccupied mood. They liked him. The courage of his character was recognized among them, so they knew that this exceeding caution on his part meant that danger was at hand. How serious it was they could not possibly suspect. So, though they remained motionless and scarcely drew their breath, it was done intuitively. The soldiers looked by turns along the valley of the Couenant, at the woods along the road, and at their commandant's stern face, trying to gather what their fate was to be, much as the dogs try to guess what the experienced sportsman means who gives them some order which they cannot understand. They looked at each other's eyes, and a smile spread from mouth to mouth. As Hulot made his peculiar grimace, Beaupier, a young sergeant who was regarded as the wit of the company, said in a low voice, "'What the devil have we run ourselves into to make that old dragoon of a Hulot turn such a muddy face on us? He looks like a whole council of war.' Hulot flung a stern glance at Beaupier, and forthwith there was a sudden accession of the silence required of men under arms. In the middle of this awful pause— the lagging footsteps of the conscripts were heard. The gravel under their feet gave out a dull, monotonous sound that added a vague, disagreeable feeling to the general anxiety, an indescribable feeling that can only be understood by those who, in the silence of night, have been victims of a terrible suspense, and have felt their hearts beat heavily with redoubled quickness at some monotonous recurring noise which has seemed to pour terror through them drop by drop. 
the commandant reached the middle of the road again he was beginning to ask himself am i deceived his rage concentrated itself already upon marcheterre and his stolid tranquillity it flashed in his eyes like lightning as he looked at him but he discerned a savage irony in the shuan's sullen gaze that convinced him it would be better not to discontinue his precautionary measures his captain merle came up to him just then after having executed hulot's orders the mute actors in this scene which was like so many another that was to make this war one of the most dramatic ever known were looking out impatiently for new sensations curious to see any fresh manoeuvres that should throw a light on obscure points of the military position for their benefit captain said the commandant we did well to put the small number of patriots that we can depend upon among the requisitionaries at the rear of the detachment take another dozen of stout fellows and put sub-lieutenant lebrun at the head of them take them down quickly yourself to the rear of the detachment they will support the patriots down there and they will make the whole troop of rascals move on and quickly too and bring them up to the level of our own men in no time i am waiting for you the captain disappeared among the troop the commandant looked out four resolute men whom he knew to be alert and active and called them by a gesture only he tapped his nose with his forefinger and then pointed to each in turn by way of a friendly sign the four approached him you served with me under osh said he when we gave these scoundrels who call themselves chasseurs du roi a lesson and you know their ways of hiding themselves so as to pepper the blues all four soldiers held up their heads and pressed their lips together significantly at this praise of their quick-wittedness there was a reckless acquiescence in the soldierly heroic faces which showed that since the beginning of the struggle between france and europe their thoughts had scarcely strayed beyond the limits of the cartridge pouch at their backs and the bayonet they carried in front they stood with pursed-up mouths looking curiously and attentively at the commandant very well went on hulot who in an eminent degree possessed the art of speaking in the soldier's picturesque language stout fellows such as we are must never allow the shuans to make fools of us and there are shuans about or my name is not hulot be off the four of you and beat up either side of the road the detachment is going to slip its cable keep well alongside of it try not to hand in your checks and clear up this business for me sharp he pointed out the dangerous heights above the road by way of thanks all four raised the backs of their hands before their old cocked hats the turned-up brims weather-beaten now and limp with age had fallen over the crowns one of them la rose by name a corporal that hulot knew 
said as he made the muzzle of his gun ring on the ground they shall have a solo on the clarionet commandant they set out two of them to the right and the others to the left it was not without an inward tremor that the company saw them disappear on either side of the way the commandant shared in this anxiety he believed that he had sent them to a certain death he shuddered in spite of himself when he saw their hats no longer and both officers and men heard the sound of their footsteps on the dead leaves gradually dying away with a feeling all the more acutely painful for being hidden so far beneath the surface in war there are scenes like these when four men sent into jeopardy cause more consternation than the thousands of corpses stretched upon the field at Jemap. so many and so fleeting are the expressions of the military physiognomy that those who would fain depict them are obliged to call up memories of soldiers in the past and to leave it to non-combatants to study their dramatic figures for these stormy times were so rich in detail that any complete description of them could only be made at interminable length end of section two